This is Radio Parallax, a slightly different perspective from a slightly different view, with topics that include matters in science, technology, history, politics, current events, and whatever we damn well please. And now the host of Radio Parallax, Douglas Everett. At times in the past, we've started this program with a joke. Given the times we're in at the moment, we might want to revive that practice. So here's a few humorous items we've been sent. Starting with, an MIT linguistics professor was lecturing his class and said, in English, a double negative forms a positive. Well, I think we all know that. Although it's interesting to note that apparently it wasn't always that way. Some mathematicians back in the Elizabethan era decided, you know, two negatives, well, that's a positive. Because in some languages, such as Spanish or Russian, a double negative remains negative. After explaining this, the professor went on to note that as far as he knew, there wasn't a single language, not one, in which a double positive can be used to express a negative. At which point, a voice from the back of the room piped up, Yeah, right. Here's one I think you have to be of a certain age to fully appreciate, but... um, it shows a map of, of Cuba, southern Florida, Key West, etc. And the headline attached to it was, Cuba alarmed by presence of Russian client state only 90 miles away. And someone sent a very simple meme showing a guy holding up a sign on which is written, Two paths diverged in the woods. And America took the psychopath. Yes, our apologies to Robert Frost. I believe Sammy, who sent the one on Cuba, also sent... One with a picture of Trump and a picture of Bernie Sanders, side by side. The caption says, Both were told by the U.S. intelligence that Russia was trying to help their campaigns. Underneath Trump's picture, you have the caption, One denounced U.S. intelligence. Under Sanders' picture, the caption is, One denounced Russia. Underneath both was the statement, Now you tell me who's the foreign agent. And here's one we've been sitting on for about six months. Maybe we've even mentioned it before. I don't know. We're going to mention it again. You probably saw this, but it shows a guy sitting on the side of the road. He's holding up a sign on which is written, Real American patriots do not wave the Nazi or Confederate flags. We had two wars about this, and so far you're 0 for 2. And probably the last place I expected to find any little nugget of humor was the was in my official voter information packet. But in showing one how to mark one's ballot properly, it had in English, under Directors of Entertainment, or in Spanish, Directores de Entretenimiento, the following candidates. Carol Lombard, Georgie Jessel, Billy Rose, Kate Smith, Isadora Duncan, Edward Duke Ellington, and you could also write in John Doe. I was sort of horrified to think that probably no one under age 50 is going to know who all of those people are. As late as I think you could say the 60s, George Jessel was always appearing on this or that television program. And although he never struck me as all that funny, my my dad sure thought otherwise. The rumor was that Georgie Jessel was the guy that that would slay him whenever they had like any kind of uh, roast or get-together in a convention-type setting, but, you know, I've, I've never heard him at, his, at the top of his game, so I can't vouch for that. But I got a tickle that I just seen his name on the ballot. 
I was also tickled by this item out of the, you know, from deep left field department. Hannah Frischberg in the New York Post noted that David Letterman has learned along the way not to mock Quentin Tarantino. The former late night host said that the famed director once threatened to beat him to death over a crack Letterman made about his attractiveness to women. Yes, apparently back in the day on one of his shows, Letterman feigned disbelief over rumors that a star actress was dating the nerdy Tarantino. Said Letterman, I'm pretending that I'm stunned this glorious movie star is dating this squirrely little guy. Tarantino didn't see any humor in that. So two days later, he called Letterman. Said Dave, he started screaming at me. I'm going to beat you to death. I'm coming to New York and I'm going to beat the crap out of you. How can you say that about me? As a stunned Letterman sat there listening, the director went on and on and on like he's full-blown clinically goofy, in Dave's words. The two got into a detailed back and forth about when exactly Tarantino would arrive to administer the thrashing. Letterman asked him, bat or fist? To which Tarantino responded, bat. Well, apparently Quentin cooled off and never did show up then, but when he visited the Late Show many years later to promote a movie, he grudgingly apologized but refused to discuss his meltdown on the show. And believe it or not, we have a showbiz item even stranger than that one. How about this? An Iowa man is accused of forcing a woman to watch the nine-hour miniseries Roots. He threatened her and told her the episodic drama would make her better understand her racism. Robert Noy, age 52, is charged in Cedar Rapids with harassment and false imprisonment. The woman told police that Noy made her sit with him to watch the miniseries based on author Alex Haley's family history. When she tried to move, the woman said, Noy told her to remain seated or he would kill her and spread her body parts across the interstate. Now, that's clearly a guy determined to fight racism wherever he sees it. And I suppose I owe the listenership a very brief apology for the fact that we did not alert you to the occultation of Mars, which took place a few weeks back. Yes, apparently the the moon, the almost full moon, passed right in front of the red planet. And that's something that, you know, doesn't happen just every month. And although we are prone to inform you of such events, we didn't this time. Why? Well, because unless you were east of, like, Montana you weren't going to see Mars go behind the moon. Here in California, you had to wait for the moon to rise, still hiding Mars, and then wait for that moment when Mars all of a sudden popped back into view. We made an editorial decision not to advise you to get up in the wee hours to go check that out, because, well, it, it just seemed problematic. It's no Beetlejuice. And speaking of Beetlejuice... It appears that we can officially call off the supernova watch associated with the red giant star that forms Orion's right shoulder. Yes, apparently researchers from Villanova University who have been leading the study of Betelgeuse's unprecedented decline have confirmed in a new new astronomical telegram, which we didn't get, that the star has reversed itself. The turnaround was actually predicted and suggests that the recent dimming was an unusually deep excursion of the star's natural 430-day periodicity. Thank God. Which means, much to Mr. Merlin's relief, we probably won't be talking about this anymore. Except perhaps to note that 
Betelgeuse, even though it is 624 light years away from us, is so bloody big that astronomers are able to actually discern its disk. And in comparisons from January to December of last year, there was a notable change. Yeah, it got darker. Yes, only, but only part of it got darker, and people want to know why. And speaking of darker, as we just were, it turns out the Starlink satellites, uh, well, they made an effort after the outcry over the fact that they were light polluting right and left. They decided to put one up that they, they called DarkSat. They put an experimental anti-reflective coating on it to see if it could head off the brewing confrontation between astronomers and everyone else and internet entrepreneurs. Anyway, astrophotographer Thierry Legault went out and photographed a bunch of these SpaceX coming by, and he noted that the one that was supposed to be the dark one, the dark sat, was in fact one of the brightest satellites in the image he took. So it looks as though SpaceX has some work to do if they want to head off criticism. Of course, the question is, do they give a rat's you-know-what about criticism? We suspect not. And speaking of evil tech companies and the men who run them, and usually it is men... We're hoping to bring on this program one of the candidates for Alameda County Supervisor because he put out some <laughs> interesting campaign literature. He notes that he, he was leading the fight against the irresponsible land use decisions that create traffic nightmares. Well, we hope so. And asked, can we trust politicians who take money from developers? Vinnie Bacon said he took no developer money, took no corporate money, took no PAC money, None. Whereas his three opponents were rolling in dough. We'll see what happens on election day. If he wins, we'll try to get him on. And if he loses, we'll still try to get him on. And we'll probably have better odds under those circumstances. I did note in Mr. Bacon's campaign literature, he said that he wanted to bring more jobs to our district to address the imbalance between job location and housing. Well, the problem as we see it is that we have way too much job creation going on versus what housing we have available. Meanwhile, Atherton has just become America's highest income city. The average earnings of an Atherton resident, $525,000 a year. That's average. Atherton is, is kind of a mysterious place. It's sort of nestled among Menlo Park, Palo Alto. If you try and take a shortcut, say, on a bicycle, as I've done on more than one occasion, going from like Half Moon Bay back to the East Bay, and you find yourself near Atherton, expect some long detours. This community has been well designed so that you will not be driving through it, shall we say. Atherton did have a slight bit of notoriety many decades back, based on the fact that, to my knowledge, it had one black resident. His name? Willie Mays. Now, I don't know with 100% certainty whether there were no other black people in Atherton. But I do have a feeling that if you wanted to get in, well, you better be Willie Mays. We'll have a little more to say about housing uh, in California in general, in the Bay Area in particular, in our second segment today. But some people are shocked at the degree of dissatisfaction being expressed by Bay Area residents. Asked last year, do you think that in the past five years the quality of life in the Bay Area has gotten worse or stayed the same? 65% said worse. 
This year, it's taken a 10% leap to 75%. Meanwhile, our governor, Gavin Newsom, as noted by Dan Walters, is staking his governorship on jumpstarting housing construction. Dovetailing with that is the fact that Newsom is zeroing in on California's disgrace, in his words. He wants to make tackling homelessness his top priority. Anyone who's seen how successful Mayor Gavin Newsom was at combating homelessness in San Francisco will probably want to hold off judgment on that one. Over the past few weeks, we've been talking about what's going on in California's water wars, and we have mentioned many at many points along the way. The guy we need to bring back on this show is Dan Bacher, because Dan is the man when it comes to being up on water chicanery. So it's our great pleasure to be able to say welcome back to Radio Parallax, Dan Bacher. Good to talk to you today. Well, Dan, uh, I, I, what really has got my attention is the fact that Trump has sashayed into California told all the, uh, the the growers, I'm going to give you that water that I promised you. And Gavin Newsom has been making noise about stopping all this, but Gavin Newsom appears to be completely ineffective at the moment. Okay, here's what's going on right now. It's, it's, it's a real complicated scene in water politics in California because basically both Trump and Newsom are very pro-agribusiness, although they have different ways of of promoting the agribusiness industry. Um, Gavin Newsom and California Attorney General Javier Becerra, under very intense pressure from fishermen, tribes, and environmentalists, last Friday, they they, uh, sued Trump over the signing of revised biological opinions. Oh, so the lawsuit they've been ta- they've been making noise about since November twenty first, finally filed one. Okay, all right, that is news. For, they've been saying for a long time, at least at least uh, Newsom was saying that they were going to file it, and they finally did. Well, there's been a lot of criticism of Newsom. I think uh, from a lot of people, yourself included, about the fact that he had a chance to sign a bill uh, titled SB one not so long ago that would have put in place. California standards as being those of the federal government, knowing the federal government may change them, and Newsom vetoed it. Yeah, and he did that under pressure from agribusiness. Um, but you, you, the, the key thing to understand is that there's a bunch of different processes going on. There's this key process, the signing uh, of the biological opinions. And what the biological opinions are is there are basically water plans um, that are prepared by the federal agency. And the scientists, when they, prefer, when they prepared the draft plan, it said that there, this would create jeopardy endangered species. So what they did is they got other people to work on this plan that, that would say it was no jeopardy. So, so basically it's, it's the manipulation of science. And this would would um, export up to 700,000 acre-feet of water more from the Delta, which is already under intense stress and, and, and really bad fishery declines because of the massive water exports that have been pumped out of the Delta, particularly for the pa- over the past 10 years. 
and actually starting in 2004, there was a big increase in water exports um, under the Schwarzenegger and the Brown administrations. Well, you've been very up on the whole fisheries issue to the nth degree, and we've, as reported on this program and in the news media, uh, the surveys looking for the keystone species, the, the Delta smelt, apparently have come up completely and utterly empty. They were not able to find any of them this past year, is my understanding. The survey that you're referring to is the fall midwater trawl survey that's, that's uh, conducted of all the pelagic, op- that's open water species. Yeah. in the Delta. Two years in a row, they've turned up no Delta smell, um, which is really bad because this was the most abundant fish one time in the Delta before the water project started pumping so much water out of the Delta. And, I mean, it just in, the, in recent years, they've had the lowest numbers ever. Now, this doesn't mean that there are no Delta smelt. There's other surveys where they've turned up Delta smelt. The federal government did a survey, and then there's a spring midwater trawl, or a spring um, Kodiak trawl survey that the Department of Fish and Wildlife does, and that's also turned up some fish, but they're in very small numbers. And, you know, it's just outrageous that this, this, this fish that was in the millions where, where they would find large numbers, many thousands in, in the surveys they did now there's none and there's uh, they have um, a large number of survey sites over the delta so this is a large expanse of the delta and so there's a captive breeding program right now that they have um, in a marsh in the delta where they have have uh, delta smelt now plus some in aquariums Let's talk about this this plan that Jerry Brown had to send these twin tunnels and siphon water. They were claiming it was going to help the Delta fisheries, which was hard to understand how that was going to happen by taking more water out, but that's what they claimed. Yeah. Gavin Newsom came along and said he was against the twin tunnels. He's, he's now in favor of the single tunnel, it, yes, which, which, is, which like, is the same thing. Yeah. And the plan that they've come out with over the last month looks just like the, the twin tunnels, except for it's one tunnel. Right. And they have an eastern route and a, and a uh, western route, well, actually central delta um, route. So um, they have two different routes, and they're not exploring option, any other options. They're just saying that this is the way to restore the ecosystem and at the same time ensure water supply reliability. And this is just one of the many bad processes that Newsom's supporting. And even after Biden's lawsuit against the Trump administration, he's still pursuing these bad policies. Um, The the second one is the voluntary agreements. They're voluntary water agreements that are being pushed by big ag, so they're really not subject to regulation. It's based on the fact that the regulators are all great people that will work for the public interest, and that hasn't occurred. That's why we need laws, and that's why the Delta smell is nearing extinction. That was Newsom's explanation for why he wanted to, to veto SB1. He, a solution in search of a problem is how he described it. But right. his, his solution instead was to come to these voluntary agreements that, as you say, I mean, 
They're just volunteers. They don't mean they have no bite to them. I mean, if someone wants to pull pull out, they can. He calls them enforceable voluntary agreements, but that's that's a contradiction in terms. Because right. Vo- <laughs> right. Right. In other words, what they're saying is that people will voluntarily regulate themselves. Right. And that's never worked. There's no. I don't know of any examples where it's worked. It has, sure hasn't worked in water because this has been tried before, like with the CalFed process. Uh-huh. And that, that's why we're here in the first place. But at the same time that Newsom's pushing these pro, the tunnel and the voluntary agreement, he, he, he's also, or at least the Department of Water Resources, is pushing a, a new environmental impact statement that would guide the state water project operations. And this, just like the Delta Tunnel, and just like the voluntary agreements, would result in the export of more water. So it's like he's moved one step forward and at the same time three steps backward. So I'm glad that he has filed this lawsuit with Becerra, but I'm upset that he's continuing these these other projects, which just in themselves are really damaging to the fisheries. Well, to those of us that would want to see those fisheries preserved, um, what can we do? What, what would you? What do you think we should do at this point, Dan? First of all, people are are intent on filing a lot of lawsuits, and there's already a stack of lawsuits that are against the original uh, Delta Tunnels project and all the permits that were issued for it. And so there's still, there's all sorts of litigation right now. And there's meetings that people can attend to express their outrage over the Delta tunnels. And there was just um, recently one that was, that was um, under pressure, particularly from the tribes and the fishermen. They have a new meeting in Reading, and that'll be on March 2nd. And there'll be another meeting, which is actually part of a Board of Supervisors meeting, to be a presentation on the project by the uh, Department of Water Resources, who is the agency that's pushing this. Well, do you feel that people show up in numbers, that we can, uh, people will be heard? I don't know if they'll be heard, but you've got to show up there. And, and, and because if, any, if nothing else, you create... A, a whole a bunch of documentation, letters, studies that you can file a lawsuit with yeah. um, as, you, as you can test their plan. Um, and it's also real important to ask them questions. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm looking at an editorial from the East Bay Times, which is not exactly a, uh, you know, on, in the vanguard of environmentalism, particularly no. since, you know, the Bay Area is also getting some of that water now, too, and they have a vested oh, yeah. interest in, in keeping the keeping the flow going. But the, the, the editors wind up saying the governor should stop the hypocrisy. If he has a sound tunnel plan, he should not be afraid of subjecting it to sound scientific review. He should not succumb to Trump's trashing of the environment. We had thought Newsom was better than that. Now we're not so sure. So, I mean, people are getting, people are getting angry. Yeah, people are getting real angry because they're seeing that the administration is lying with accuracy. Real important to note that Newsom re- received 755000 from agribusiness interest in his 2018 campaign and 
$1,800 of this is from Lyndon Stewart Resin, who are the largest, most powerful orchard fruit growers in the world and own immense uh, acres of land on the west side of the San Joaquin Valley in Kern County. They run this water bank that some you need to come back and talk about at some future right, point. They right, run the this current water bank. This water bank is this huge scam, and they wind up getting more water out of these systems than than does Los Angeles. Yeah, the Resnicks get more water than Los Angeles. Yes, they are really good at getting the water. They contribute to both parties. Well, that's right. Yeah, and and they also do quote unquote charitable work. Like fund, give funding to uh, universities. They have wings named after them. This new student center in Fresno State is named after Lyndon Stewart Fresno. They've they funded that. They've also uh, funded a number, or they have a uh, sustainable agricultural uh, wing part of of uh, UCLA. That's funded by them when they have completely unsustainable agriculture. It's basically greenwashing, and they endear themselves to to everybody, you know, right? educators to, to uh, art groups because they contribute to the arts, and then to the candidates that they receive the money from. So they're very good at spreading their money and controlling the narrative and influencing the regulators. Yeah, I understand Stewart's background in farming is that he was a hedge fund operator. <laughs> right, right. Wow. But, but they're very good at doing it. Wow. I want to ask you, too, about one of the articles I was reading mentioned that uh, when Newsom took office, he replaced the chair of the state water board, Felicia Marcus, seen by some in the ag industry as favoring fish over farms. So the governor urged a more collaborative approach in managing flows, if flows what they're describing. But um, is, is he packing the wrong people in, in these agencies? Yes, I, I can't say it was a surprise, but that is probably the worst thing that he did since he's come to office. Hmm. Because in December, the board, the, the State Water Resources Control Board, had voted for, for a plan to give more water to fish in the San Joaquin River yeah. tributary. Right. And the growers rose up in mass. And they came up with this voluntary agreement plan, along with some big corporate environmental groups and the state agencies, including the Department of Fish and Wildlife and um, Department of Water Resources. What he did is he got rid of the person that really oversaw that vote. I mean, that was the real strong person on that that. Um, water board and that was Felicia Marcus and that really has had a big effect upon water policy in California. Well Dan you need to come back like in April. Let's give this a couple months see what happens. Come back in April talk about the update. Before you go though I do want you to walk us through one thing. California's got two parallel mega water projects, a state project and a federal project. I assume that when Trump says he's going to you know give more water to the, the farmers he's talking about you know the federal tap. Yeah, because that's the main thing that they're dealing with is the Central Valley Project, okay. which which uh, runs the Delta Mendota Canal, and the State Water Project is is uh, 
they, they go, they have a California aqueduct. But it's very important to understand that those two projects are, are closely linked. They, the, the water is pumped into San Luis Reservoir, where both projects utilize it. Oh. So it ends up in the same place, and then, then they pump it out of there. So once it goes south of San Luis, it's really, in essence, the same project. No, they, they continue with the two canals. I they see. The two separate canals. I see. But, but it's jointly managed, that reservoir. All right, Dan Bacher, uh, give us a website or two to go to uh, to keep up on this. Uh, to be honest with you, www.fishniffer.com, that has all the latest stuff on the water projects. All right, that's your site. So that's, yeah, yeah perfect. All right. But I write for other ones like, like Daily Cause and the Stockton Record, but um, that has it all, all, all the most current stuff. All right. Dan Bogger, uh, keep up the good work. I, 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 you, I see some of your posts on Facebook, and I'm l- liking to give you attaboys uh, often because you're staying on it. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. You're listening to Radio Parallax, but we've got to take a short break. Don't go away.